On this episode of Common Mystics, we reunite with our friend Jenny B to discuss season one and answer frequently asked questions. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are common mystics, and we're here today talking with Jenny B. Introduce yourself. Oh my gosh, I'm Jenny B. How are you? <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. You get to talk today. Oh my goodness. Okay. So for listeners who may not know, Jenny B went on our episode five to Sycamore, Illinois, and went on our adventure with us and was really pivotal in how it turned out, wouldn't you say? Because it's- I sat quiet in the car. No, because you spoke up and said we needed to go back to that cemetery. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. So welcome and thank you for doing this with us. We're Yay. so excited to talk with you today. Oh, well, thank you. I know I have lots of questions. Yay. So let's get right into it. Jennifer, would you please tell our listeners why we're doing this bonus pod? So we're doing this bonus episode, one, because we're on hiatus. We finished season one, and now we are dropping an episode a month between now and June 2021 when season two comes out. So we're trying to keep up the momentum And we're also taking the opportunity to answer some of the questions that I know I've gotten over and over again. What about you? Same. (laughs) Can we just have to tell people what's going on? We are sharing a microphone. So Jennifer and I look like we're on a teeter-totter every time we go to the mic. (laughs) Yeah. You're way too close to me right now. Okay. Okay. All right. So let's throw it to Jenny. Um, I know you guys have discussed this previously, but I also know that a lot of people would like to know, again, what the origin story was. How did you start this podcast? Well, we do talk about that on our bonus episode, Spellcasting, Meeting Kim Russo, and the origin of our pod. But in a nutshell, for years now, Jill and I just to entertain ourselves, would get in the car or walk to a place and then just pick up on psychic impressions and then use each other to validate those impressions. So it was just something that we would do. Right. And we it was fun doing it. And in Seneca, Illinois, we had the experience where we were getting a lot of information coming at us and it was kind of weird. So in real time, we were using our cell phones to research the information we were getting. Right. And that's when we realized that, oh my gosh, that could be a podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. Talking not only about our impressions, but then researching it to validate those impressions as well. Right. Well, one thing I've often wondered about is you guys consider yourselves common mystics. Why do you consider yourselves so common? I think we believe that everyone has this ability that they can tap into. Absolutely. I think what makes Jill and me special, if anything, is just that we grew up in an environment where this was taken for granted, that people have psychic abilities. So we never really questioned it. But every person has the ability to use that part of their mind, to use that part of their self, to tap into the other world and get information. And it's like a muscle, you say. Exactly. Right. Just like if you don't use a muscle, then it gets weak. 
uh, the more you use it, the the more it gets strengthened. And as far as the the spiritual world, what you pay attention to comes back to you. So the more that you pay attention to spirits who are communicating with you or information from your psychic senses, the more it will happen. I like to say that the spirit world is always on and it's really like, are you paying attention to it? It's always there. And if, if you're feeling not connected or if you don't feel like it's there for you, it's because you're not paying attention to it. But when did you guys like really start recognizing that you had this gift? Can we answer this for each other? Oh, sure. Okay, you go first with me. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so Jill all her life, like I'm seven years older than Jill. So I remember Jill being a baby. From the youngest age, Jill had the knowledge that there were other beings around. Um, she had imaginary friends. She was very comfortable by herself. She always had that sense that there was more than what she could see, hear, feel, etc. Does that make sense? I like that. <laughs> What about me? Oh, my God. Okay. So Jen really, for the longest time, was our caregiver because our mother had worked so often and our dad split. So really, Jen didn't have the luxury to kind of wander off and be by herself and explore that side of her. She was very practical and she uses the left side of her brain as like a default. So it wasn't until, although she recognized and had experiences with the supernatural and the mystical side of life, it wasn't until our grandmother died, whom Jennifer was really close to, um, that Jen felt comfortable to kind of ease into it and really um, strengthen that muscle. That. Mm-hmm. Thank and you. you are really impressive. Oh, stop. Yeah, you I are. Stop it. You. This is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> One thing I have been constantly impressed by is the signs that you guys receive mm-hmm. and how you know, how you set those signs up and how you know that they are the people that you are reaching out to. Well, I'll answer for myself. I think at some point I asked my mother for, um, well, actually, I think I told her, I said, mom, I need you to come to me as a cardinal to show me that you are with me. And I just told her, send me a cardinal. And then I started to see cardinals, like real actual birds, but also like pictures, you know, images on the computer. I mean, everything counts. So I think that just being very intentional and communicating with spirit and telling them what you want Um, can be very effective. What about you? Um, I agree with everything you just said. I feel like the reason why I use um, validating signs to communicate with our mom is because we are really close to our mother. And I can hear her in my head all the time. And it's a matter of discernment to try to figure out, like, is this just in my head? Or is it something that she's really communicating to me? And so that's how... I decided to develop that type of like signal to be, um, to kind of just be faithful and to know that she's there with me. And you've told us what your signal is. What's your signal? What's your sign? <laughs> Mine's a hawk for mom. But honestly, if I see Elvis in random places, that's mm-hmm. mom. If we find, um, like when we were in antiquing in Shelbyville, items that belong to mom that we just see in a random place when mm-hmm. we're on an adventure. Yeah, she communicates. She's our mother from the moment she died had been communicating with us. Literally, we knew, which is really interesting. When mom died, do you remember this? 
Um, I don't know what you're going to say. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> we So mom died. We were in her bedroom. And they came to take mom away to prepare her. And the room was empty other than the hospital bed that she was in. And I walked in the room. And I knew she was standing by where her computer desk used to be. And I walked out of the room. I wasn't freaked out. I just had this awareness like that's where she is. And Jen came up to me in the backyard and said that you felt mom in that same area of her bedroom. Wow. Do you remember that? I don't remember that at all. Yes. I was like, oh my God, me too. Weird. Yeah. Those couple days were a blur. So Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a follow-up story with that because of the fact that like that was such an incredible emotional time for all of us. And I can't even imagine like as the daughters what you were going through because me as an outsider to the family, it broke my heart to be a part of that with you guys. And I just, there were a couple of things that happened, you know, like when, where I knew your mother was with us, you know, and with me and I am not. Oh my God. You are a mom's favorite daughter. I am not a part of the family. I just love you guys. But your mother let me know that it was important that, you know, I love you. Because when we were at the wake, when I had stepped into the restroom, it was unbelievable to me that the lights were flickering in a very, like, deliberate way. It wasn't anything I was imagining. It wasn't anything other than your mom saying, everything's going to be okay. You know, it was almost like she was winking at you. Exactly. And I had also told you, you know, like one of the most difficult things was when they were bringing her back from the hospital to her house. And Jill, you had given me an opal. And that opal got so hot when your mom was coming into the house. Like, you know, there's just so much there, you know, and I am not at all as open to receiving signs as you are, but um, those came through loud and clear to me. (laughs) So how did you come up with the intention that you set with each and every episode? Originally, our first episode, Nashville, we were just looking for a story that we didn't know about that was verifiable. But then after meeting Gertie and being able to to give her a voice to say that there was more to her story, I think really resonated with both of us. And then going forward from that moment on, we knew that part of the intention was to give voice to the voiceless. Right. I would agree. I think at first, when we first started this project, we just wanted a story that we could verify. Mm -hmm. But Gertie really touched us both. She led us in the right direction. Can Can um, you tell us a little bit about Nashville and Gertie? Right. Well, Nashville, Michigan was where our first story was, episode one. And Jill and I were led to a library that happened to be a haunted house, really. It was a house that was converted into a library. And we uncovered the story of Gertie, who happened to be a housemaid who had uh, killed herself. And we discovered psychically the reason that she did that and she really really touched us both you were very emotionally impacted by Gertie and her story I was I felt like the reporting of her story at the time um was very flippant and I felt as if it was to to distract us from the fact that the reason she killed herself was most likely because she had 
um, an intimate relationship with a member of the family whose household she was working at, who is an affluent family. Was Gertie the first time that you guys felt the absolute need to tell somebody's story, or have you felt it before? Oh, that's a great question. Because I remember visiting Juliet Prison with Jennifer and really being taken by the fact that she felt the need to tell the story of a prisoner who was accused of killing the warden's wife. Oh, my. I do remember that. I do remember that. Well, we were on one of those guided tours. The tour guide was telling the story of a woman who was murdered mm-hmm. and the prisoner who purportedly had committed that murder. As she was talking, I heard a whisper in my ear, I didn't do it. And so I turned to Jen, Jen and I said, he didn't do it. I just, he just told me he didn't do it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that was just, we were just on, on a regular evening out, you know, hey, let's yeah. tour the haunted prison. Yeah. So what was your favorite podcast, your favorite story that you uncovered? Our favorite destination episode? Sure. I really like Sycamore, honestly. I really do. Me too. (laughs) But I feel like Devil's Lake I just re-listened to lately. And I really like our character work in Devil's Lake. (laughs) We are ridiculous. To remind our listeners what uh, episode nine, Devil's Lake, was about. Oh, Lord. So Otis, what a tragic character. I did did not like Otis. It was hard for me because I didn't like Otis. It's like, get it together. Calm down. He was just um, a victim of his impulses. And he made a series of bad decisions, which led to him apparently being killed by the mob and discarded in Devil's Lake, Wisconsin. And um, we have no proof of this, by the way. Right. This is all conjecture. We're all making this up. But the reality is, is that he was his his. <laughs> We're death, not making it up. These are psychic impressions. His death was um, really suspicious, and it was thought to be a suicide. But there was a lot of um, speculation about whether or not he had actually done it. So, why was Devil's Lake your favorite episode? I love a good mob story. Not gonna lie. Yeah, that's true. I love the research that we uncovered and how unlikely it was to have that mob connection that you said that you were feeling at a place like Devil's Lake, which is picturesque, and you would feel like hikers or something like that. It was kind of like a left turn. Like, it was a surprise to me that something would come out of it. I would have to say that my favorite episode is Sycamore. It is. I love that Jenny B was with us. I love- It was amazing. <laughs> No, seriously, to observe this process from the back seat. I know you're just saying I was being all quiet and everything in the back seat, but amazing. Oh my gosh. So I love that you were there, but also just the way the story unfolded because we were at one location, the location of the house where the family lived. Mm-hmm. And then we ended up at the cemetery and we left having no clue how those two locations fit together. And lo and behold, it turns out that the at the cemetery, that's where the body snatchers were at work. And the location of the house that we originally stopped at was the location where the very first doctor in the area lived and worked and then also participated in body snatching. Hence, linking the two locations. To me, that was just a goosebump moment. I just loved it. And this was just like a fascinating experience for me. 
all around. <laughs> we loved you. But I have to tell you, just how this is just like the process unfolds in such an unreal way. Why I say that because I listen to you two as you're just kind of like bantering back and forth to each other and you're just talking about what's coming to your mind and you're like oh I see three horses and you're not thinking anything of it and you're just you know continuing on Jill's focused on the river you know we're really close to the river the whole time and then all of a sudden we just happen to pull into a place where you look above the door and there are three horsemen and I am freaking out. And I am like, oh, my God, there are three horsemen. And you're like, yeah. It's just like what was supposed to happen. Amazing. Aww. Well, that was that was my favorite. And it was fun having you. You'll have to go on more with us for season two. Okay. As long as they're not scary. Because which ones oh. have you found to be the most frightening? Okay. So Rome City AF really was freaky it was like watching a horror film like you were really excited with like the scariest energy and yeah i just i felt really connected to that story just just really quickly summarize that story for our listeners who might not remember which one rome city was rome city indiana is home to what was at one time napes sanitarium where there was a young nun who had came there to work and she was attacked by the devil and then visited by the blessed virgin and just recently cardinals had caucused about her marian experiences and decided that it wasn't authentic well we were there we definitely felt not only the blessed virgin but also really intense scary vibes yeah i agree i was afraid in Rome City, I felt like I was channeling Sister Mary Margaret. Oh, yeah, you were. Yeah. But also, if you recall Hillsdale, when we were in Stocks Park, and we walked into that little outdoor sign area, mm-hmm. and we walked in and saw the photographs of the two stock children, the, the son and then the grandson, I felt an overwhelming sense of evil, foreboding. It was really scary to me. Um, Just to remind our listeners, the Hillsdale Stock Park episode was the one where there was an affluent family that was a pillar of the community that really helped create and shape the community that had imprisoned people to work at their mill and create their park. Mm -hmm. And the pictures that Jennifer referring to are the creepiest pictures on earth. And apparently... The people of Hillsdale today do not want to talk about that legacy. They would rather just focus on the good things, but they're not doing themselves any favors having those crazy pictures of those two in that park. (laughs) Right. If you don't want people to question, like you don't have to be a psychic to know these two guys are creepy. (laughs) Exactly. Take the pictures down, folks. Change the photos. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You guys, was there ever a time when you were out hunting for a story that you felt you didn't know what the story was that you were supposed to find? Like every freaking time, by the way. (laughs) Like every time we go somewhere, we have no idea what our story is going to be. We really don't. The breadcrumbs, we call them breadcrumbs, but those little psychic signs, psychic signals help indicate to us that we're on the right track. But Ashtabula was crazy. We were driving in Ohio and we, where did we end up? We never went to Ashtabula. You were, Jill, you were picking up on this Amityville horror kind of story where the 
a I, member of the family kills the whole family. I kept hearing he killed the whole family. He killed the whole family. Right. And we stopped at the cemetery that just happened to have the same name as a cemetery in Ashtabula, Ohio, where the, the family is buried of the Newman family, right. where the, the father, Mr. Newman, killed the whole family. On that adventure, we thought we had nothing. Mm-hmm. We, right? Do you right, remember? No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was scary that we never actually been to Ashtabula. And it, it felt like this was taking on a life of its own in presenting us a story to tell. This meaning the way that spirit <laughs> communicates and manipulates us a little mm-hmm. bit. We think that we have all this control, right? Mm-hmm. You and I make decisions in the car, right mm-hmm. or left. In this case, we didn't go in the direction that we were supposed to go in, mm-hmm. supposed to with, with you know, air quotes. And yet we were still called to tell a story that was hundreds of miles away. That's insane. The only time I was in a location where I felt and I knew the story was when we were in Shelbyville, like standing in the shadow of the statue of the rifle that was very long and seeing that silhouette, I knew immediately what the story was. And that's the only time that ever happened to me. Well, and that's an interesting point because it was Shelbyville, Tennessee. We knew in the moment we were called to tell the story of the Confederate soldiers and both of us didn't want to Mm -hmm. because we are from the North and because of all the controversy surrounding the Confederacy. And in our ignorance, again, we we felt like we were telling, we were going to give voice to people that were like, yeah, slavery is cool. That supported slavery. And as it turns out, if you listen to that story, you'll see that our assumptions were completely false. But that was the only time we knew what mm-hmm. story we were supposed to tell. And that's, I think, because the spirits were like, no, 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 you're going to tell this story. And mm-hmm. there's going to be no uh, you know, gray area about this. You both need to know that this is your story before you even leave. The thing that's interesting about that is that we had just ha- done Otis's story with Devil's Lake. And Jen and I both did not like Otis at all. So it's not even like we can say to the spirits when we were in Shelbyville, like, oh, we don't want to tell your story because we don't like you because we just did Otis. Right. Other than that, we never know what our story is. And we most of the time feel like we're just wasting time driving around just talking crazy (laughs) overeating (laughs) and just like you know mouth diarrhea just Mm -hmm. like saying whatever comes into our heads and fighting and fighting Mm -hmm. a lot but you guys are incredible storytellers no i'm serious and before this did you ever think that you would work together gosh you know we are very different people I don't know if this comes through or not, but Jill and I have very different personalities. I think the question, you and I working together is funny because like it's me working for Jennifer. It's not together. Like all my life, it's Jennifer says something and I'm like, I have to do it. We do have that big sister, little sister dynamic. We're working on that. (laughs) Some of us harder than others. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't, I would say no. I would not think that I would ever be this, this deep in a project with you. I mean, this is like a long-term commitment. Oh my, I'm starting to get a little nervous. <laughs> um, I think, did we see that we were going to work together? No, no. But I think that um, having gone through the experience with mom, um, it was brought to your attention. <laughs> Tell me what I thought. You told me (laughs) that 
just because we had to work, um, we were really put in a situation where we couldn't let each other down. We had to rely on each other when our mom was dying. Right. And so that experience and interacting with people at the hospital and our other siblings was a moment where we knew we were working well together, even though it wasn't ideal and we didn't like it. We knew that we weren't letting each other down. I think that that's when we realized that we could get stuff done together and our strengths really complemented each other. Is there anything fascinating that you guys left on the editing room floor that we would be interested in hearing about? Oh my God. Can I tell you about you? Sure. Tell okay. me about no, me. Jennifer, when we were going to Rome City, and I know this is random. See, that's why. We have to cut things that aren't supportive of the story or else they would be really boring. But Apple Valley... Oh, yes. That was really impressive. That was pretty crazy. It was just a breadcrumb, but we're driving around and in my head, I say Apple Valley. I just keep hearing Apple Valley. And we end up turning on a road and across the street is a little trailer park called Apple Valley. Isn't that nuts? Like literally. like, And that just came into my head and all it was is like, yes, you guys are on the right path. I think I forgot about Apple Valley. I, that was a good one. But then if you recall in Coal City, you were picking up on this whole Pontiac, Chief Pontiac Oh, yes, yes. That yes, was yes. so cool. That was cool. You know what's cool about it is that when we're in the car and we're having this discussion, I apparently Chief Pontiac from um, whom Pontiac, Michigan is named after, had moved to the Joliet area. And... I was saying to Jen, like, all randomly, if I was a native, I would like to move here. And, and she was like, what are you even talking about? I was like, well, if I were Pontiac. Like, it was like a really weird conversation. It really weird. And it was bothering me because Jen's all cold, cold, cold. And this is only our second episode. So I'm like, this. Like, honestly, Jen. And so we got back to our house and we researched it. And absolutely, Pontiac had moved from Michigan into the Juliet area. Yeah, that was super cool, but it had nothing to do with Cole City. So, and that happens all the time. Oh, Where? Elvis! When we were doing Ohio, oh, yeah. uh, and the guy see. with the straw hat. So I'm, so we're driving towards this random cemetery. I forgot where in Ohio we were. And I'm like, I know this sounds weird, but there's an Elvis connection. And Jennifer's like, I keep seeing a guy in a straw hat. And she's like, and she describes like what he's wearing. And I'm like, Like, yeah, yes, like like, literally. It's like he's in overalls and he has a straw hat. Jill's like, Elvis, Elvis. So we make a right and we're going down in like this nowhere town, Ohio, and there's a Graceland church. And for those of you who don't know, Elvis's estate in Memphis is called Graceland. So there's the Elvis connection. And And who was doing work on the grounds of the church, but a dude whom Jennifer described in a straw hat and overalls. No joke. Like, you can't make this stuff up. I know. And that's how we knew, although we weren't in Ashtabula, that's where our story was. We were in the right place. We were in the right place. I know. That was crazy. That was crazy. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. I know. I remember that. See, all this stuff we edited Yes. You guys are so, like, attuned to each other, but do you, like, have a different way of reading situations? I think we do the same thing. (laughs) Jill, you have to remember, Jill has been doing this all her life. And I feel like, well, I feel like Jill is always on, meaning she's always connected psychically to the universe. I don't feel like I'm like that. 
So I think that there is a fundamental difference. What? Why? Are you right, just back face? up. Okay. So Jennifer, you have to remember, Jennifer's the oldest, and our mom worked three jobs. So Jennifer had to be a parent, really, to three kids that she didn't have, and she really was focused on getting out of that situation. So she really developed the left side of her brain and really relies on structure and things that culture, our culture itself, values to improve her life. Where I don't have any of those abilities so I was just like randomly like looking at the ceiling being like wow I think something's there no stop it but I think I think what you're what you're getting to is that um I'm very left-brained very logical very grounded very down-to-earth just naturally Mm -hmm. and very detail-oriented and you're very right brain you're more creative Mm -hmm. you're you're more open you're more uh, extroverted Mm -hmm. so I think that um I think that comes through in the way that we read. Jill is often very comfortable just pricking up on the energy of an area. And for me, I need specifics. So I ask our mother, give me something specific, you know? Um, Although Jill has gotten some very specific information too. I like to think Jennifer is um, my filter. When I pick up on stuff, Jennifer and I also have a communication, but is this the story? Mm -hmm. And we have to discern between the breadcrumbs and the actual supportive tells that we get that's right well we keep talking about the fact that you call yourselves common mystics but do you really think that anyone can do it oh my gosh totally i do how would you encourage people to start it sounds cliche but really i think it starts with meditation and meditation doesn't have to be like getting cross-legged on the floor and saying um it could be as simple as turning off your electronics and going for a walk in nature, taking a bubble bath. The point is just to pay attention. Pay attention to your own thoughts. Get to know your own thoughts. Pay attention to how your mind works and thinks. That way, when you get a thought in your head, whether it be an image or a sound, and it seems different from the way that you know that your own mind works, that's a, that's a sign right there that this information might be coming from outside yourself. But unless you're quiet and you pay attention to the way your own mind works and the way that in this world you pick up on the information around you through your five senses, you're not going to understand that when that happens. I think, honestly, that people are doing this all the time and don't realize it. I think that when you read a room, when you're giving a presentation, when you meet someone and then you just automatically know like, oh, they're going to give me trouble or or whatever, you're always picking up this information. But because it's so common, you don't uh, you don't subscribe it or add it to like, oh, the intuitive box. So I think that if you pay attention to what you're thinking, but also pay attention to how it's coming through. Like, is it a knowing? Is it a voice? Like Jennifer, you were describing at the at the prison. Yeah. There's <laughs> knowing and kind of understanding how things are coming through. That that's really helpful. But then practice. Go with a friend. Like Jill and I would yeah. just go together to cemeteries or to uh, buildings and just use each other to validate what you're feeling. Is there any place that you guys really feel like you need to go? Like if you could go anywhere in the world, is there some place that you are drawn to going because you kind of feel like maybe there's a story waiting for you there? Oh my gosh, we have got to go to England. I'm so afraid of England. You're afraid of England? The energy, there's so much. I know we have to go, but there's so much energy there. I know 
that if we went to England together, we would come back with a lot of stories. So many layers of history and so much happened in that tiny island. Do you know what I mean? Just so much. I think that brings up a good point, like the layers of energy that we pick up on. That's really something because they're not time stamped. They're there for quite a quite a long time. So someplace like England, where like a lot of people for many thousands, thousands of years, you don't know what you're going to be picking up on. And does that go into the difference of like the people who are trying to get you to tell their stories? Like, is there a difference between souls and ghosts? Jill, I think you've developed a philosophy about this over the years, the difference between communicating with a spirit who has passed over and communicating with a ghost. Could you explain that? Because I think it's really good. I like to call it a Jillism. <laughs> oh, God. <clears throat> well, <laughs> no, I think that um, I'm really afraid of ghosts, spirits that have not crossed over into the light, um, that are earthbound, if you will. And the reason why I feel... I think I'm afraid of them is because they don't have the same social graces that someone who's of the light experiences when they go back with God. I feel like a ghost are unpredictable and kind of scary because they're trying to get your attention in very strange ways and they don't know how to access my mind's eye or to use my experiences to get to communicate with me. What about you? Well, I I tend to subscribe to that you know, that theory because it makes sense. You think I'm right? (laughs) Yes, Jill, I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, I don't, to be honest, I don't know that I interact with ghosts a whole lot. I think that I have an innate fear of ghosts, so I'm not really open to them the way I'm more open to interacting with, you know, people who have crossed over. Mm. So I really think that I block ghosts um, from communicating with me. And I know this is so funny. So for a while, Jill was all like, I want to see ghosts. And I'm like, oh, really? You want to see ghosts? She's like, yes, I'm going to put that out to the universe. I'm going to ask, you know, the universe to, to, to know, send me worst. ghosts. I want to see ghosts. How'd that Even I know that that is a bad idea. I just want to let you know that's not where I was going. I was thinking of your husband. How I think, oh. like... How Dennis is a ghost block. Uh-huh. He's a ghost block. <laughs> Dennis is a ghost he block. He really is. You cannot be afraid or get your psychic out around Dennis. Exactly. Like, I went to England with Dennis. Nothing happened. <laughs> I went to New Orleans. We went on two ghost tours. Nothing happened. See, that would be me. No. no a company. Not, oh, not at all. I'm telling you. Not at all. I believe in the theory of... Um, they know I'm terribly frightened of them, <laughs> so they're going to leave me alone. Yeah, that's not how it works. Stop. No, well, and oh, so okay. Jill asked for ghosts. Okay. So my husband works nights. <laughs> I know. I know. So my husband idea. works nights, and it's not unusual for my husband to come into the room and tuck me in when he gets home or check on me if he's, like, out with his friends, like, doing whatever and coming home to check on me. So I'm laying in bed. And I'm sleeping and I feel someone looking at me and I open up my eyes and on the back wall of our bedroom, I see something and I immediately like start sweating. I'm like, oh, dude. And and then like, I'm like, oh, it's just Chad. And I said out loud, I'm like, oh, my God, you scared the shit out of me right now. And then it faded and it went away. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. No (laughs) way. So you changed your mind about wanting to see ghosts. I do want to see ghosts, but why do they have to show up at night? 
You know what? When I was in Shelbyville with you, I did see the shadow figure. That's scary. That took us over to Willie Lipscomb. Lipscomb's grave. Mm-hmm. Right. So, And I have had those experiences, but overall, I'm not really... I don't, I don't, I don't know. I do want to see ghosts, though. Oh, here I we go do. again. Here but go don't again. you feel like a lot of the ghosts who are still here are here because of some, like, inability to cross over because of something bad that happened? They're just people. They really are. They're just people. The thing is, is that sometimes people don't want to cross over because, they're, A, they're scared, B, they don't understand energy, and they always thought that this is just malarkey. They don't believe it, so they're just here. Sometimes it is a tragic event yeah. that holds it back, but not always. Sometimes they love their house, and they just want to stay with their house, or they, you know, they just get Sometimes confused. Sometimes they're lost. Sometimes they get lost. But the reality is, is that they're just people. So one of my favorite episodes has a little bit of a personal twist because my brother-in-law is from Cole City. Shut up. Yes. So I was like absolutely amazed when you guys ended up in Cole City. So can you um, tell us a little bit about what you were feeling and how you ended up there? Cole City was a comical experience (laughs) because we were literally driving around in circles for hours. Uh. Hours. And it was incredibly frustrating. And then it wasn't until we stopped at a historical marker that we realized that the reason that we couldn't find the cemetery, the reason that we couldn't go to the cemetery and pick up on the spirits there was because the dead were scattered. The dead were scattered underground under us the entire time. Well, the irony in it is that if we would have stopped at the marker first, we wouldn't have had a story. What about the research, Jen? How would you describe the research? Because there's so many rabbit holes we can get into. You know what? The research is intuitive. Mm-hmm. The research is very much a part of the psychic process. Mm-hmm. Like, think about um, Sauk City, Wisconsin. <gasps> Angie. Oh, my Angie. God. She was obsessed. I was obsessed. I was going to say, probably more so than Gertie or no? Well, Jill um, was obsessed with Gertie. The thing is, the difference between Gertie and Angie is, A, we had four months between um, discovering Gertie and recording the pod. So I had a, a healthy distance where Jennifer was like all in and we had a deadline. Yeah. And yeah. So for me, we knew that the story had to do with this murderer, Right. But we couldn't focus on what was exactly the story. Whose voice are we trying to give voice to? And Jill was convinced that there was another unknown victim of this Kim Brown serial killer. And I could not get off of Angie. Angie was one of his known victims. Right. I just couldn't. And so I kept calling her back up and I I kept saying, so what if it's Angie? And she's like, it's not Angie. Angie already has a voice. And I said, I think it's Angie. I think there's something here. There's something about Angie. And she would, I would be dreaming about her. I would wake up and she would be on my mind. I would be like jogging and I'd be thinking about her. When, I could not get her off my mind. When Jen says she called me up, she FaceTimed me and she looked like a mess. Like, I, like <laughs> honestly. I was like, you? I'm like, I wouldn't even entertain it because she was so into it. It was I, scary. It I was, was like, back off, man. I was like, yeah, Angie, I know. <laughs> Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah. That that is fair. But no, I mean that's that's the research is just as important 
as the actual, you know, in the field adventure. If not more important. If not more. Right. And I don't know how you guys restrain yourselves because when I was on my little sycamore trip with you, <laughs> I was like all on my phone the whole time you were saying anything and everything because you were so spot on in the moment. But the, the, we don't know it. Right. Right. We don't know it. Um. So, Jennifer... Yes, and Jenny. Yes, Jill. We are on a break. We're taking a break. We're, we're on a break. What do you see for us coming in the future? What can our listeners expect during our break? And then tell me your thoughts on season two. I think that the plan is to try to record some bonus episodes from now until June 2021 when season two will be starting. Uh, talking a little bit about behind the scenes. Uh, Maybe using the cameras and um, creating uh, content ah, visually. I hate to commit to that because I don't know anything about video editing. But yeah, we are the the hard part about the cameras is that in the moment you don't know what's important, so you literally have to keep the cameras running all day, mm-hmm. and that's an incredible amount of work. Then after the fact to go through and edit out everything that wasn't important because ninety nine percent of what you're recording isn't important. But how many times have we been in the car having a conversation with the cameras off because it was just a casual conversation? Yeah, exactly right. And then afterwards, we're like, darn, if we should have been recording then. Anyway, I think uh, one of our plans is, and I hate to even put this <laughs> in this episode because it's, then it's going to be out there. Yeah. That's some, something that we're going to try to do. But we are going to try to put together a video of us on an adventure. Now it's out there. Uh, now it's out there. And um, I just want to say that there's COVID weight that we're dealing with. <laughs> so we may be a little juicy on. <laughs> oh, my God. You guys are so beautiful. I need, to, I need to beckon the Oompa Loompas to take me to the juicing room. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. That's funny. <laughs> Jill, what do you see coming up for season two? Well, I know that we have two stories already for season two. We have a Northern Michigan. Oh, yes. And we have our second Shelbyville, Tennessee story. I know. I'm so excited. Do you think we will take additional trips outside of the Midwest? Well, we have to go see our brother Christopher and our sister Jessica. Oh. Those are two of our siblings that said they were going to let us in. (laughs) (laughs) So we are looking at Kansas. Kansas. And New York State. Yeah. And possibly Utah because we have a nephew getting married in Utah. That's right. So who knows what will happen. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Jenny, for doing this. You are the sweetest ever. Oh, my God. This is just so fascinating to me. You know that you guys fascinate me. (laughs) So sad. (laughs) No, it is so true. You find the most amazing stories. I'm so surprised we have listeners. Isn't that like we have no, listeners? You guys are the most amazing storytellers, and you have a gift that you may think is common, but you are so good at what you do. I just want to say thank you for Jennifer, and um, because Jennifer tells me stories, and I just get to sit here and listen to Jennifer tell me stories. Oh my goodness! And I love thank that. you for you, Jill, mm. because you bring so much fun and light and energy to our adventures. It's uh, really been a good time. For I, like your favorite? I'm not going to say anything else about that. <laughs> so where can all your listeners find you? Check out our website, commonmystics.net. 
Listen to us on Amazon Music, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, where you can leave us a positive review so other people can find us. And don't forget to check out our Facebook page, who our sister Jessica, Jennifer. Yeah, she's been amazing. Our sister Jessica has been huge creating memes and just keeping that Facebook page going. So thank you, Jessica. I've gotten a lot of compliments. People think I'm very funny. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> I don't even mention I'm like, who? <laughs> like It's all me. <laughs> I'm kidding, Jessica. Thank you all for listening. And thank you, Jenny B, for joining us on this very special bonus episode. We thank love you. you. Jenny, thank you for you. letting me be a part. I love it. And thank you to our listeners. Good night. Thank you. Good night.